Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time, I could hear that all the way through the camera. You know, thanks so much for joining in today's service. I'm so glad that you're here. We have a very special guest who has a, a great word for you. In just a moment, you're going to hear from that guest. But before we do, as we kick off service today, I was thinking about Isaiah chapter 43, that we serve a God who says this, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way through the wilderness. If you find yourself in the wilderness today, well, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right person. As we worship God, God is our way maker.
shout hallelujah. All throughout the scripture, God goes out of his way to reveal who he is. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection of life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the healer. And what we do in this moment of worship is we come together and we focus on who he is. It's so easy for us to focus on our circumstances and our emotions and our situations. But what we call you to do in this moment is look to Jesus. And I'm gonna ask Pastor Vaughn to pray for you right now, right there in your home, that God would touch you and speak to you and reveal who he is. Pastor Vaughn. God, we just come together and we stand in faith and we stand upon a rock today. We stand upon firm foundation. I pray, Lord, for those who are there in their respective spaces. Lord, they are not alone. They are not unseen. Lord, they are loved. They are seen and they are known. And I pray, Lord God, in this moment, that Holy Spirit, you would awaken that which is within them that is from you. Lord, the giftings, the talents, the abilities, the strategies, the ideas, the courage to stand and believe and see the victory of their God in their situation. So Father God, we pray, Lord, that faith would arise. We pray that courage would arise. We pray that hope would arise. We pray that vision would arise and that they would stand and see the victory of their God in the land of the living. We love you and we pray all this in your name. And our hope and our expectancy and our excitement is that you know, you see, you hear, and you care, and you will. You are the way maker. And we give thanks and we, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Thanks, amen. Pastor Vaughn. Well, we're praying that you feel the tide rising right there wherever you are. That tide of hope rising in your heart and seeing what God's doing. Welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We're so glad you're with us this weekend. We're looking forward to what God's gonna continue to do as we follow after him with all of our hearts. Thank you for joining us and may God richly bless you, speak to you and work in you and fulfill his purpose for this weekend. We've had some amazing worship. There's more to come. There's a great message coming. God is going to rise hope within you. Amen. Well, one of the ways that we participate with God is by bringing our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And there's a variety of ways you can do that here at Cathedral of Faith. You can go online to our website. You can go to our app. You can go to the text on the screen and text those numbers, or you can write a check, mail it to the office or drop it by. We'd love to see you. Looking forward to all that God has for us. And one of the exciting things for us at Cathedral of Faith this summer is our great interns we have serving with us. And now one of our interns in the comm department, Alyssa is coming to give us this week's announcements. Cathedral, we're so happy you're here. We have some fun events coming up that we don't want you to miss. Let's check them out. Sunday, July 18th, we're having water baptisms. If you want to dedicate your life or even rededicate your life to the Lord and make that public statement of faith, call the church office and ask for Pastor Shelley. Or you can email her at swilson at cathedraloffaith.org. We'd love to celebrate this special moment with you. 
Saturday, July 31st, we're having Music Under the Stars, a night dedicated to music featuring the Prince of Poppers with Jessica Johnson. Come out from 7.30 to 9 for some live music and some free desserts. We'll also be having swing dance and ballroom lessons if that's something you're interested in. We'd love to have you, so come join us. Well, that's all, Cathedral. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on social media and check our websites for updates and reminders. We'll see you next time. Bye! There's a peace I've come to know When my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed And victory is won He has risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow, no more pain I will Before my God. For 
Thank you, Seti, for that awesome song. What a special honor it is for us to have today a truly remarkable woman. Nancy Ortberg is an author, an entrepreneur. She's been a teaching pastor at one of the leading churches in the country. And she currently serves as the CEO of Transform the Bay for Christ. I know there's hope for the Bay Area and that God loves the Bay Area because God sent Nancy Ortberg to the Bay Area to help lead the effort to amplify the works of the church and to unify the pastors in the area and to multiply churches being planted throughout the Bay Area. She's doing such a great job and her and her husband, John, have become very dear friends of uh, my wife and I. And it's such an honor to have her with us today as she talks about the very important subject of how you connect your faith with your work. Well, greetings, Cathedral of Faith. My name is Nancy Ortberg. I work with an organization called Transforming the Bay with Christ. And before I start my message, I wanna tell you a little story about your pastor. And then I wanna give him a gift. A couple of years ago, Ken was with a group of leaders in Estes Park, Colorado, leaders who are here in the Bay Area hoping to bring the kingdom in a more visible fashion to people who don't know God. And he took that wonderful passage where Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy, laden, and weary, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy. And I love that he explained that passage because Jesus said a lot of really weird things and this was one of them. I don't know about you, but Jesus' yoke doesn't feel easy to me most of the time. And Ken went on to explain the history of yoke crafting in Jesus' day. And he said, if you were a farmer and you had two oxen, you would actually call the carpenter from the village out to your field and he would by looking at the oxen and touching them with his hands, determine which of the two oxen, even if they looked similar, could bear a disproportionate amount of the weight. And then he would go back to his carpenter studio and he would craft a yoke that placed more of the weight on the larger oxen. And then Pastor Ken said, Jesus was a carpenter. And when he told this story, he knew what he was talking about because he had done it. And I'm telling you right now, the pastors all around the Bay Area, myself included, have probably used that story 20 times. We always give credit to Pastor Ken. But it was such a profound moment that I went on a little website called Etsy and from the Ukraine I ordered this yoke. Now, I could have gotten a small one that he could put on his desk, but I thought, no, I want to get a big one. So Pastor Ken, this is for you and your office to thank you for reminding us that following Jesus is supposed to be effortless. It's supposed to be easy because we understand who's God and who's not. So anytime you go into Pastor Ken's office, let me know if this isn't in there, okay? So many years ago, I used to be a nurse in the emergency room. All I ever wanted to be as a kid growing up was a doctor. You can tell by the lack of doctor in front of my name that that didn't work out. My second year in college, I hit inorganic chemistry and gave up switched to nursing, picked up a minor in speech communications, but my eye was on seminary. I was headed to the kind of job that I felt mostly called to, which was working in the church. One night, 
probably a month before I was leaving to quit this job and go on to seminary, I found myself on the fifth or sixth day in a row of double shifts in the emergency room at 11.30 at night, tired, so ready to go home, the shift was over. And when I was looking at the clock and I watched the new nurses come in and the doctors and they were giving each other report, I got ready to go and one of the doctors stopped me and he said, hey Nancy, we just had a new admit. Would you mind staying behind for a few minutes and taking her history and physical while we get report? Now I've been a Christian long enough to know that on the outside you smile and nod and you say, I'd be glad to. And inside I thought, why me? I've been working double shifts I'm getting ready in a month to leave to go to grad school. I'm tired. These other nurses haven't worked double shifts. Pick one of them. But he didn't. And so I went into the room where this young woman was, 28, 29 years old. She had a husband, two little kids, who had left the day before to go up to a mountain resort for vacation. She was going to join them the next day because of her work schedule. She had to wait a day. And she wasn't feeling good, so at 1130 at night she came to the emergency room with the flu. And I don't know if I mentioned that I was tired and it was 1130 at night, but I remember thinking inside, it's the flu. You don't come to the emergency room at 1130 at night for the flu. You wait till the morning, you call your doctor. You're really inconveniencing me. But on the outside, I took her history. I took her vital signs. I drew some blood. I got her in a gown. I got her ready for the doctor to see her. So waiting to go home. And then the doctor came in and look at what I had written and said, do you mind waiting for just a couple minutes till we get the lab results back? No, not at all. I'd be glad to do that. But inside, it's not what I was feeling. I was so frustrated. I was mad at her, I was mad at him. I was so tired, I just wanted to go home. And so I was probably a little short with her. I don't know that she could tell everything that was going on inside, but about two minutes later, Her lab results came back on a fax machine. For those of you under 40, you can Google it. It's a big machine and paper used to come out of it and it would have your test results on it before there was email or iPads to check. Took me about 30 seconds to look at her results and the doctor came over looking over my shoulder and pulled his glasses down and shook his head. She didn't have the flu. She had fulminating leukemia. She never left the hospital. She was there for the next six weeks. I met her husband, I met her children. Towards the end of the six weeks, she was so unrecognizable. In that moment, something switched in me and I'm sure I was still tired, but that wasn't the main thing I was focusing on. I told the doctor, I'm gonna go ahead and punch out so you don't have to be charged for my time, but I'll stay here until her sister can come who lived a few hours away. And I sat with her till 2.30 in the morning. On the drive home, in a way that only the Holy Spirit can do, he started a little gentle conversation with me and reminded me that although I had my eyes set on seminary, although I was tired, what I had absolutely missed in that moment was a chance to be a disciple of Jesus, to be present with this woman, to attend to her, to suspend judgment and wait to not grumble because I was the one that got picked, to be available, to be used by God. And I missed it.
So today I want to talk a little bit about our faith and our work. And I want to unpack a little bit about this embarrassing but true story of me not at my best. Dallas Willard, some of you may have read his stuff. He was a University of Southern California professor of philosophy, but a very devoted theologian and writer in spiritual formation. And he wrote this very provocative statement. Your work is your primary place of discipleship. It's not that you value work more than family, but it is because of the nature of work that we often spend more time there. And I remember questioning him a little bit on that. And he said, Nancy, just think about a farmer. A farmer can't clock out at five o'clock if the cow needs to be milked and the fences are down. We spend an inordinate amount of time at work and it is the primary place where God intersects with us to live out what does it mean to follow Jesus. In the very opening words of scripture, in the first two chapters of Genesis, we realized that work was created before the fall. It didn't come after the fall. It wasn't a punishment for sin. It existed as a beautiful way for God's people to participate with him in this incredible world that he created. So our work is a gift, not a punishment. I was working on this message last week and I was driving behind a truck and the um, license plate said work sucks and I just wanted to pull him over and say, listen, I need you to come to Cathedral of Faith this weekend because it doesn't suck. It doesn't. And the other thing we learned from Genesis chapter one and chapter two is maybe your mom told you this when you were growing up, that you only have one chance to make a first impression. How somebody initially introduces themselves to you is really important. And when you open the Bible of all the things God could have said when he introduced himself to the human race, hi, I'm God, I'm omnipotent. You have no idea how omnipotent I am. There's really nothing I can't do. Or I'm omniscient. I know everything. You thought Santa Claus knew everything. I got him beat in spades. No. You know how God introduced himself to the human race? Hi, I'm God. I'm a worker. That's what I do. I work. And in fact, before you got here, I didn't wait for you to do something for me. Come, let me show you what I've done for you, what I've created. And then I'd like to invite you to share the work with me. This reframing of work is so critical to what it means to be a church, to shape culture, to be an individual follower of Jesus. So I want to just tease out two small things from this experience that I had and what scripture has to tell us about how important work is as we follow Jesus. And the first is this, there are no stepping stone jobs. There is no, I will follow Jesus well in my work when, it's now. And for me, I had wanted to be a doctor, then I switched to nursing and I had my eyes on seminary. That's when I was going to do God's work. I just read a study recently that said 73% of Christians think that a pastor's job is more important than their job. Wrong. It's one of the myths we need to unlearn in order to follow God well. And so much of growth is what do we have to unlearn about who we think God is and what does it mean to follow him so that we can follow him well and rightly? No. Work is how each one of us lives out our faith. 
There are no stepping stone jobs. And it wasn't about me waiting until I got to seminary. It was God asking me on that night in the emergency room at 1130 at night with swollen feet and a sore back to say, yes, I will be present. I don't know what job you're currently in right now. Some of you may be retired, but you're still doing things with your life. You may be a full-time homemaker. You may be disabled. You may have a job in an industry, but you have work to do in the world. And so often in our culture, we're taught you need in your job to find your passion and follow your passion. And there's some good truth in that. But the dark side of that message is that primarily your work is about you and you being fulfilled and you being passionate. I think that's secondary. I think the goal of work is the creation of value and good in the world. And that can be done wherever you're at in your stepping stone jobs on your way to the one job that you think is going to fulfill you. And again, it will never fully fulfill you. I've been a pastor at a very large church. I run an organization now that has a decent scope here in the Bay Area, but I've been a waitress. I loved waitressing. I've been a waitress and there's, there were times when I was a waitress that I went home feeling really good about being able to bring hungry people food and watching people come together that were celebrating something and making their experience easy so they didn't have to think about things and they could just enjoy themselves. I had bad nights too, like in that hospital as a, nurse, as a waitress, but I had a lot of personal fulfillment when I was a waitress. I was an administrative assistant for a while, like 14 days. It was, it was not good. Maybe some of you have had jobs that just do not match up with your talents. This was one of them for me. I worked for a company that sold the plastic that lines the inside of dishwashers. And I do believe to this day that there are dishwashers sitting over in China that were supposed to be delivered to Alaska that because of my lack of administrative gifts will never arrive. But nevertheless, I had a chance to show up on time, to be pleasant with my coworkers, to do a good job. When my husband and I first got married, we moved to Scotland so that he could study at the University of Aberdeen with this great theologian because my husband's really, really smart. I couldn't transfer my nursing license over for the eight months we were there, so I worked as a maid. I got on the bus every day, five days a week, and I cleaned houses. And there were days when I did not do it well, and there were other days where I showed up and said, this work is important to these people, and I can serve them. For a number of years, I was a full-time stay-at-home mom, and that's a job where you just get a lot of praise and thanks. No, wait a minute, no, it's not. And there were days where I had to remind myself, this is so important, this work that I'm doing. There's a fabulous passage in Colossians where Paul reminds us to do this, that whatever it is that we do, in word or deed, whatever we do, to do it as unto the Lord. Have a bad boss? It's okay. This verse says, I'm not really worried about who your boss is. Have a job that doesn't fulfill you? It's okay. Not really concerned that you're not fulfilled in your job. Here's the direction to show up and to do good work and to not see it as a stepping stone job. There's a theologian named Oswald Chambers who wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. It was a devotional book. And this quote is painful and freeing and wonderful. Drudgery is one of the finest tests to determine the genuineness of our character. It's work that's removed from anything we think of as being ideal. 
It's hard and meaning, menial and tiresome and dirty. And when we experience it, our spirituality is instantly tested. And we will know whether or not we are spiritually genuine. This feels below me. Somebody else should be doing this. Or I have a job in front of me that feels like drudgery and I'm going to apply Colossians to this and I'm going to do it in the very best possible way. It's important to remember that Jesus was a carpenter for many more years than he did ministry. That was three and a half years. Probably starting at the age between 11 and 13, he began to help Joseph in the carpentry shop. What does that disproportionate number mean for us? There was something about God allowing Jesus to simply work as a carpenter in an ordinary occupation before he had his three, three and a half years of building the kingdom. Jobs are so important in the Bible. I'm going to ask you to think about how many times do you think some kind of occupation is mentioned in the Bible? Because sometimes we hear you have to be before you do, and that's not wrong. But sometimes you have to do in order to be, and do is a good thing. How many times in the Bible do you think a di different occupations are mentioned? If you guessed 54 you would be wrong. If you guessed 543, you would be wrong. If you guessed 5,433 5, times, you would be right. That's more times than the Bible tells us not to be afraid. It's more times than it talks about prayer. What is going on here? A person's occupation was ultimately important to God because it's how you and I are going to contribute to making the world a better place. So paying attention to our work as a primary place of discipleship. And then the second thing that came out of that embarrassing story for me that I've reflected on for so many years is that work is really about reflecting the image and the nature of God in the world. No matter where it falls on the spectrum of fully passionate and fulfilling to me or drudgery, everything I do that's work, and this can include paid work, work in the home, running errands, volunteering, it's all about reflecting the image and the nature of God in the world so that through our jobs becomes one of the primary ways the world begins to see God before they ever start to ask questions about God and way before most of them would even ever come to church. So how I do my job in that way is so critically important. And I think it goes way beyond leading a Bible study at lunch or putting my Bible on my desk. In fact, I think in a post-Christian culture, which is what we live in, those two things may not be the best place to start. But if I want to, as a worker, show up and reflect the image and the nature of God, I need to be a really great worker. I need to be persistent. I need to work with diligence and patience and kindness. I have to be courageous enough to give difficult feedback to somebody, but still recognize their dignity. I have to have purposefulness in the work that I do. 
and I have to show up as a servant and inconvenience myself for other people. If I'm a CEO in an organization, you need to be thinking about how do you use power? How do you pay attention to a triple bottom line of people and profit and planets? How do you lead a meeting as somebody who wants to reflect the nature of God to prepare well for it? Perhaps your greatest testimony or your greatest opening into any kind of faith discussion will be that people gravitate towards you because you work in a different way. Not in a weird way, because Christians can do that, but in a winsome, gracious way that recognizes other people. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, at the very beginning of scripture, God said, let's make people, man and women in our image. Let's let them reflect our nature and our image and then let's give them work to do. Let them have dominion over the earth. So this connection between the image and the nature of God and the work that we do is implanted in the first chapter of the Bible. And I think sometimes I'm afraid this faith and work intersection gets lost when we think about following Jesus. There was another time I was working in the emergency room. This time it was about eight o'clock at night and a young woman came in in her early 20s. And there's something about a child or somebody that's young when they come in in a traumatic situation that you just kick into another gear. There was a doctor there that I worked with that I just loved working with. I found out later he was a Christ follower, but he didn't talk about it a lot. The reason I loved working with him was when I came into the emergency room for my shift and I saw his name on the board, I just knew we are gonna have a great night because he was so capable of making us all feel like a team. In the emergency room, you have a little core team, but when you're working on a patient, you bring in people from all other departments, from laboratory to draw blood, respiratory, from x-ray, and we don't know these people. And this doctor, every time made us feel like a team, he would look at our name tags. And he knew me because I worked in the emergency room, but he would call Robin from lab. Thanks so much for getting that blood draw. Get, that, get us those results back as quick as we can. Curtis from x-ray, make sure you take this angle because that's what I need to see. If there was a lull in the code and we were waiting for results and it was appropriate, he might stop and say, Nancy, what would you do next? Nancy, why did I use that medication? He was teaching and making us all feel like we were an important part of the team. This particular woman took us about two hours working on her. And at any point during those two hours, we just simply weren't sure would we be sending her upstairs to the intensive care unit or downstairs to the morgue. I remember at one point when we were waiting for some x-rays to come back, he just stopped and he looked at all of us and he said, we're going to save this young girl. Like, okay, <laughs> absolutely, that's what we're gonna do. He brought out the best in us. That particular night, there was an intern working with him. And at the end of the shift, when the nurses were taking her up to the ICU with all of her tubes and medicines up there and housekeeping came in to clean, I was finishing up notes when we had to write them by hand before computers. And my doctor that I loved working with hung back for a few moments to debrief with this intern. And he went through the regular questions. Why did I put the chest tube in at this point? When the blood gases came back here, why did I give this drug and not that drug? And he was teaching. And then at the very end of his debrief, and I was really done with my notes. I was getting ready to leave the room. He said to this young intern, did you notice the guy from housekeeping? And I just froze. Because I knew it was about to happen. 
So I just took my pen about half an inch off the paper and just kept going like this, like I was writing, but I was done. And I was eavesdropping, because this is what good nurses do. And I could tell by the look on the intern's face, he was confused as to why we went from chest tubes and medications to the guy in housekeeping. And he had kind of a confused and annoyed look on his face. He said, no, no, I didn't notice him. And I just thought, oh, dude, I would so like not to be in your shoes right now. But I'm not leaving this room. And the doctor said, well, he's from housekeeping. And the whole housekeeping department is great. But that guy in particular is phenomenal. Again, annoying look on the intern's face. And that's when my doc got mad. But when he got mad, he just got more deliberate. He said to the guy, uh, his name's Carlos. When Carlos comes into a room after a code, not only does he clean it up, sterilize it, he puts everything back again so when the next person comes in, everything you and I need to save that patient is right where it belongs. Carlos and his wife came up from Mexico about three years ago. They have four children. He named their children. He named their ages. He said they live in an apartment in Santa Ana about two blocks from here. And I thought, he's been to their house. And with this intern's dazed, still annoyed look on his face, my doctor put his hand on the kid's shoulder and he said, hey, I see on the schedule we're, we're going to be working together next Tuesday. Here's your assignment for next Tuesday. And it had nothing to do with medicine. Well, actually, it had everything to do with medicine. He said, I want you come prepared to tell me something about Carlos that I don't already know. Have a great night. And I remember sitting there thinking, I... I do believe I have just witnessed platinum leadership. Amazing. You will care about everything we needed to know and do to take care of this woman so that she lived and you will know Carlos's name and you will treat him like an important member of the team because he is and you will get that annoyed look off your face. And my doctor was determined to build into this young budding doctor that valuing of people that most of us would long to have when we go to work. There are too few people that ever go to work and hear good things about other people. Be one of them. The image of God comes through us to other people and over time they begin to look forward to working with us because they know something will be different. We shape ourselves personally with Jesus. He whispers, you weren't very kind just then. You didn't do the best job you could. Or the good news from God, I'm so proud of you right now. Thank you for going the extra mile with that person. But it's more than just a personal discipleship. It's also an organizational discipleship where you change companies over time because you see your discipleship with Jesus as in the workplace also. And it eventually shapes culture, which is part of what the kingdom of God is about. Many of you are in different forms of work. Some of you are in education. I just say hats off to you. I think one year to change our country, all we have to do is this. We're gonna take celebrity, cult celebrity salaries, we're gonna give them to school teachers. We're gonna take school teacher salaries, we're gonna give them to celebrities. And I guarantee you in a year, the world will be a different place. For those of you that educate, it's a great noble calling. Some of you are in medicine because you want to be part of healing the body and the psyche. 
Some of you are in nonprofit or church work, the arts, entertainment, and communications. Some of you were in law or business or tech or government. Some of you were retired, disabled, or work at home. You all work, and it can be a place where you intersect on an almost minute-by-minute basis with Jesus. I'm tired right now, God. Yep, I know. I know you're tired. Show up anyway. Your shift's almost over. I want you to think about the work that you do right now as I finish up by reading this other quote from Dallas that is probably my favorite thing that I've ever read that he wrote simply because it's one of the only things I could understand that he wrote without somebody explaining it to me. But it is this. Our destiny is to be absorbed in a tremendously creative team effort with unimaginably splendid leadership on an inconceivably vast plane of activity with ever more comprehensive cycles of productivity and enjoyment. And this is what eye has not seen nor ear heard that lies before us in the prophetic vision. I so bad want to find that guy driving that truck and let him read this. Work doesn't suck. There's a church that I preached at a couple of years ago and over each exit sign in their building, they had a little sign that says, now church begins. To remind all of us that we come together on Sundays or if you're online, whenever it's convenient for you, the coming together is so important, but it is for the purpose of going out and being sent. And for us to remember that church really begins when we leave this place on your computer or in this room and we go back out into the world changed by a really good God who from the very beginning saw the work that we do is a worthy place to live out. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And so I pray for all of us, whenever your work week starts, that it would be with a renewed sense of vision this week. That what we've talked about this morning would be a place you could bring yourself back to 27 times a day if necessary to get you through the day in a little bit of a different way than you might used to have gone through it. And then I hope you hear God whisper to you, great job. Thank you for that good work you did because you did it unto me. Let's pray. Father, you have given us so many gifts in this world and in our lives, nature, and food, and people, and work. And I pray for everyone listening to this and all the variety of types of jobs that instead of looking over our shoulder at what other people have or this dream job I want to get someday, that our commitment will be today, right now, right here. I will follow you. I will show up, and I will bring the best of who I am. And more importantly, I will bring the best of who you are, God, because your image is woven into my soul. And I will live out my job as though you are right there with me because you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nancy, for that transformative word. I know all of us will view our work a little bit differently this week as we connect our faith to it. 
And thank you for being a part of today's online service. If you have a need, please reach out to us. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you and invite somebody else next week to join you online because all this month we're going to hear from some amazing voices that God has raised up right here in the Bay Area. Let me speak the benediction over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Cathedral of Faith, come on in. It's time for the wrap. Let's get going. It's what a weekend we have here this weekend at Cathedral of Faith. Ms. Nancy Orberg, thank you so much for being uh, a guest here at the at the church and, and delivering this this amazing message. And here at the wrap, we're going to talk about this message. And it's mm-hmm. great. It's an honor to have you here to you, to help baby. talk us talk us through this. So let's get to work. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to work. <laughs> Faith and work. What did you guys hear today, Miss Alyssa? How about you start? Yeah, us off? I'll go yeah. first. Um, it was about work, and um, work <laughs> work is obviously not looked down upon, but people look at work as like, ah, I don't like it. It's yeah. hard. It's not something I, you know, like to do. It's just something that mm-hmm. I do to pay bills and to, you know, mm-hmm. go through life. Um, and so I loved how you talked about work and how we can use that to be disciples and be in this environment with other people every day and mm-hmm. being that continuous light um, yeah. and love to people who, you know, don't really get that in work environments mm-hmm. per se. So mm-hmm. I, I just love that. Yeah, and just to reframe work, like mm-hmm. you're saying, right. look at it differently. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were talking earlier about that's why they call it work. It's mm-hmm. not fun. Yeah. It does, it yeah. can, not that it can't be fun, but there's a reason there's a word for it, and mm-hmm. it, it is work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so strong. I think, like, on top of that, you know, dialogue, because it's super important. And one thing I was, I was catching during the sermon is, you know, the intentionality that is required when, you know, you're in that workspace, because even I think a lot of people, including me, have that problem of like kind of getting stuck in the monotony of, of work, mm-hmm. right? Like I got to mm-hmm. do this. I got obje- I got objectives to complete. Um, but the reality is if you, if you search hard enough, you know, within those small cracks that are there, mm-hmm. um, there's always a way to be a disciple to others and to minister to others, even mm-hmm. if it's something small, mm-hmm. right? And I think for me personally, I've always had the struggle of like, well, it has to be grand, it has to be something big, mm-hmm. or else it's not effective. But mm-hmm. even planting those small seeds mm-hmm. um, on a daily on a daily on a daily basis, or um, on a weekly basis, or however often you're around your the people that you work with is valuable because, like you mentioned as well, like you know the um, the the premise of having a pastoral job being more important than mm. any other job is completely, mm-hmm. it was so, super on because it's like, wow, like you, anytime you have a title, anytime you, you're around yeah. people, that's like, that's an opportunity. You no, know? And I love your, your visual of in the cracks, mm-hmm. the intentionality of a couple times during your shift to stop and think about God, how can I be more present, mm-hmm. about planting seeds in those cracks. Mm-hmm. And then so I love that tension between I, I need it to be something grand mm-hmm. when really mm-hmm. the Bible talks about it in Habakkuk, do not despise the day of small things. Mm-hmm. Jesus said the way to change the world is through salt and light and yeast and seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a disproportionate impact that yeah. comes through those small things. But the evil one and our own need to have it be grand mm. makes me not take those seriously yeah, when totally. really it's everything. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great. It kind of reiterates when you were talking about myths, how some yes. of us have so many myths. And I love when you said growth is what we need to unlearn about God sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought 
my prayer through this is, God, if there's things that I am completely unaware of, like, don't leave me to myself. Mm -hmm. Help me to grow. And whatever yeah. that means, yeah. I want it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the unlearning part is why Jesus spent so much time mm -hmm. saying, you have heard it said this, but mm -hmm. I tell you, actually, this mm -hmm. is the truth. Mm -hmm. And why would we think that's not true in our lives? So mm -hmm. how do we examine uh, the myths that we believe about God or about our work or yeah. mm -hmm. what it means to follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. And undoing the negative connotation that the term work has. Mm -hmm. or, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I love the, the point where you brought up about stepping stones, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, because a lot of times we use that terminology to say like, yeah, you know, yeah. this is a stepping stone into something. And that's, there, there's a dynamic of truth to yes. that, but it's not all mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember, I, I, Irene knows, I've, t I've told this story a few times where we, we were doing a, uh, a music uh, night one time and we hired a band, you know, and, and uh, one of our members of the band that night, this was a long time ago, I overheard him talking to somebody else and he was like, you know, how he was here tonight doing this thing with us. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just a stepping stone. And I was like, ouch, that's me. <laughs> I'm the stepping stone. So it's like when you flip it, you know, it's, it's like give a consideration to what that feels like. What are you, and, and what that did in me, because it made me think about that more. Mm -hmm. Like how have I treated other people as stepping stones? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I got to this point in my life where I was like, I want to treat the now moment, the, the present. Oh, the now moment. The Let's now get that moment. tattooed yeah. somewhere mm -hmm. on our bodies. That this, yes. this is my highest yes. calling. Yeah, totally. mm -hmm. My highest calling. I'm not promised tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not promised the next moment. This is it. Mm -hmm. My highest calling right now is being right here in this conversation. And maybe the greatest predictor of me being present in the moment to come is how capable am I of being present in this mm -hmm. moment right here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we, we insert ourselves into a future that we're not guaranteed or promised mm -hmm. to be like, there's when I show up. That's mm. when. Ouch. Yeah, when. I Ouch. think like, sorry, going off of that, I think it's like the expectation of it. Like you have this expectation of what something should be. And when it's not that, then you're like, well, it wasn't like I wasn't doing God's work then. But it's mm -hmm. just the reality. You're just, yeah. you need to press into the reality of it more rather than like. What you think and that goes back to the to drudgery be. quote we sat in for a right. while yeah. of so much of life is drudgery and it's a spiritual, it reveals our spirituality, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. God is always in the mundane things. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely. kind of where he usually is more. Yeah. I love also how you uh, depicted that the way God introduced himself to all of us mm. was in the beginning God created. Yeah. And I also love how you said he created all this for us and then he introduced us and said, look what I've done yeah. for you. Invited us. Invited us yeah. to that. And come help. And how work and create are all together. And sometimes yeah. it's more fun or whatever to be like, oh, I created this. But to be like, all of our work is creating something. something. And yeah. when we're working and mm. creating, we are be we are in the image of God. Yes. The breath yes. of God well is said. flowing through us. Amen. This is the fact that we have the capacity to do so is such mm. a gift from God. And that you said in that the goal of work is the creation of value yeah. mm. and meaning. Yes. And wherever we're at, um, my prayer is God, wherever am I at, am I bringing heaven to wherever it is that you've placed So well me. said. And even just to dig a little deeper, what does it tell us about God? I just got to tell you, if I was God, mm -hmm. I would open the page of saying, I'm omnipotent, <laughs> I'm omniscient, mm -hmm. I'm really something. Mm -hmm. And there's this identification with what he, what he created yeah. and a humility in God mm -hmm. and an enthusiasm about work mm -hmm. that is pretty telling about his nature. Yeah. yeah. And I, it is, I think too, what we're battling is our 
just it's we're battling our biology, our nature mm. in that, mm. like, and because I'm seeing this in a, we have an eight year old son, so I see this in my son that we would much rather choose the recreational activities than we would learning a skill right. or, or or practicing enhancing a skill. that skill. Yes. Uh, so we, you know, I've been, I, I, I try to u- utilize. We've been trying to learn golf, and I'm just like, hey. This is where work begins when it's not fun anymore. Like, we ha- are you able to push pot past this? And, and, and so it's, and I'm using it to, I'm teaching myself in these moments oh. that, that this works. That's work, just most of parenting. Yeah, right. <laughs> just te- teaching well yourself done. new things. Yeah. While you're teaching or, or them. old things, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's just like, man, this is our, our we're hardwired this yes. way to want, to think that we're created to relax. Yeah. yeah. And that we're actually here on an assignment. Mm. Like, I, uh, what's that, that quote that uh, we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a warship, mm. we're on a battleship. Yeah. You know, we're here for a purpose. Yeah. Let's find that. Yeah. And like, in, in top of that, it's like when, you know, we've all heard, most people, you know, heard the scripture of do everything in, 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 unto the Lord, right? Especially, mm-hmm. you know, when people will think, about, or at least I do, think I correlate that with like with the workplace, right? Like whatever the, the objective is, um, do it unto the Lord. And if you have that mindset for me personally, like it's helped me kind of be in, um, you know, be never uh, satisfied with where I'm at and what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? There's always a way to be better. There's always a way to, to be more, um, you know, to, to be more effective at bringing more heaven down to earth, right? Mm-hmm. To, to yeah. um, be better at your job and be persistent, like the, those qualities that you mentioned in the sermon, because those mm-hmm. are the things that we, we reflect off of, uh, or that reflect off of us, I, I should say, and that people look at us and, and, re- and can get a taste of how, like, God is in a sense, yes. right? Yes. And those are the things that we can't control, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. out of the very, very many things that we can't control, we can control those things. That's well, good. Like, so, when you think good. about um, doing my work as though God is with me, mm. again, putting a different frame on it, it's not like God is standing over you there watching, saying, um, you're not doing this right, or mm. what if he's saying, hey, you're thinking about something big later on today. The guy's ankle you're working on right now, mm-hmm. it matters to him. Mm-hmm. It matters greatly to him. Mm-hmm. And if you can attend in this now moment mm-hmm. to that, mm-hmm. then the next moment will come. Mm-hmm. But right now, here's where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that. And then for Jesus to say, great work, yeah. great mm-hmm. work. Well done. Yeah, well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miss Nancy, thank you so much for being here with so us I've in this conversation. So I've asked you seven times to stop calling me Miss Nancy, <laughs> but it's just apparently not going to work, is it? It's just not working. Oh, fine. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> Good one. Fair enough. But uh, I just, we'd just like to pose a question for you. Uh, uh, you know, your work has taken you all over the world through mm-hmm. speaking and writing and, um, and leadership. And where, where are you finding yourself in this conversation mm-hmm. of work? I, I loved hearing you know, some of the experiences that when you were younger and, and in the nursing and uh, the hospitals and stuff like that. But where is, where is this sitting with your life right yeah. now? You know, even at my age, I spend a good chunk of every day feeling inadequate, wow. um, feeling unsure, and wondering if the big things are going to actually happen. Mm. And so it is this ongoing journey with God wow. to say, the results are not really ultimately in my hand. Now, I know that on paper, mm. but when I'm feeling all those things I just described, how do I remind myself and have a little conversation with God, even for 30 seconds, free me of that burden? Mm. Wow. Going back to the yoke mm. yeah. that I talked about at the beginning, Powerful. freeing myself from the weight of that yeah. that's not mine to bear mm. wow. and looking at work both as a job to do, but also a joy and then releasing the results to God. Yeah. yeah. 
well. Some, a, 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 a repeating theme I've, I've heard through your sermon and through our conversation is this, this thing of reframing mm-hmm. and, and the perspective. Uh, because what you just shared, you could look at it from one perspective, it could be scary. This stuff never goes away. You're, the stuff you're dealing with never goes away. That's like, oh, no. Yeah. But it, on, the other th- on the other hand, it's encouraging to us to well, look at it, to say, like, hey, and it's we're still it, working. You know, we talk about, I want to spend a lifetime being growing. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. It sounds like I'm going to read a book, write a book report, and change. Mm. That's not how change mm-hmm. works. Mm. Change works by making mistakes, mm-hmm. having to apologize, being embarrassed, mm. being convicted, mm. and growing. So those of us that have thought getting older, life would get easier, yeah, pretty much the opposite. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. But that's good because that means we have to stay connected to God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, it's John 21 where Jesus says to Peter, as you get older, somebody's going to take you to where you do not want to go. Mm. Follow me. Mm. Wow. Like, I thought he was going to take me to golf and fish and yeah, relax. Right. Like, yeah, there's no retirement in the Bible. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's about becoming, yeah. always becoming, yes. right. always becoming. Trump's beam. Yeah. Wow, there's so much to chew on. Cathedral of Faith, I hope you're listening. I hope you get to rewind this message and listen again. I hope you get to, I hope and pray that this gets into your soul, into your spirit, and into your behavior, and into your life, and into your family's life. Um, God is doing a marvelous work here at Cathedral of Faith, and we are so honored to, to be able to walk this out together, and especially this weekend. What a treat it is to have Nancy Orberg with us. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank I, you. I put the work in. I put the work in. I put the work in. Right. And I, you know, one last thing I, I thought, the work, work is not in our way. It is the way. Mm-hmm. It's not in our way. It is the way. Mm-hmm. And this is the way we kind of interact and we participate with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and with God the Father. Mm-hmm. We get to do this together. So Cathedral of Faith, we love you. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys again for this conversation. Go get to work. Service is over, but now church sur- begins. Church begins. Yeah. Let's go. Cathedral of Faith, as always. It's a wrap. It's a wrap.